On this edition of the program, the triumphant return of the political orphanage's own Andrew Heaton, not only to the PX3 podcast, but also to American Shores. I catch him up on all the news that he missed in Scotland over the summer. It's coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. American soil. Welcome back to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. It is a pleasure to be back in the United States, but it is an honor to be back on <laughs> PX3. So I think I can't remember if we did this last year. And I, I'm just going to say that we did. I'm just going to uh, uh, Mandela died in prison this and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, say that we did. And now it's a yearly thing where you go off to Scotland during mm-hmm. the summer mm-hmm. and uh, because of the nature of your show, which has become ever more evergreen, yeah. uh, you are you are interviewing top authors and thought leaders, but very, very little of the uh, you know, things am, that happen on a daily basis that we cover on this show. Uh, literally, I can say this without exaggeration. You are my uh, single anchor to whatever's happening in the world, <laughs> because I'll, I'll be talking to people like. Granted, sometimes it's weird shit, but the other day, like someone's like, oh, like when they when they wheeled that body out in Mexico with the alien thing. And I was like, what? What What are you talking about? They're like, you know, how like they have proof. No, it turns out that's also probably nonsense. But like I hadn't even heard about it. It's paper mache. Yeah. 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 Uh, So so here's what we're going to do. I will be your chat GPT. Okay. Uh, You can ask me. Anything that that might have happened over the summer, big picture, small picture, checking in on something that you kind of had a, a pulse on or something that you half heard through that weird Scottish brogue uh-huh. over there across the pond. Go ahead and uh, uh, we will catch you up. We'll get you up to speed. OK, so when I left and it's hard for me to remember the exact timeline here, but when I left, I feel like uh, Ron DeSantis was poised to take a swing at Trump. There yes. was there was some momentum behind him. Uh, he had he had come up with this whole like Trump minus the Trump, yeah, uh, and had a wonky guy that figured out how to to use the Trumpian media cycle for a propulsive element. Very strong combo there. Yeah, how's he doing? Terrible. Okay, <laughs> all right. Now, terrible in what was expected when you left, which was to be in contention with Trump uh, as we were are at this point, we're about to cross in a month or so into the year to count down to the general election. We are very much in the thick of the, the end game of the primaries. So you kind of know who the players are and who the players aren't in those primary States. But Ron DeSantis has melted like the rest of the Republican field in the face of Trump. Trump has only become more powerful and Ron DeSantis has run what I would say is a bad campaign. So, okay. I I was thinking about this too. Most of the time when there's a presidential campaign, 
what the candidates are actually running for is a book deal. Like you can kind of look at the field and go, most a, of these a people certain, are going for class of positions yeah. or, or, or book deal or just like, I, I don't even say this as a put down, like with Vivek Raswamy, I'm like, magnificent job going from guy I've never heard of yeah. to national profile. Oh, you missed, his name is Vivek. Vivek? Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which there was a really fun moment during the Republican debate, the first debate that happened without Trump, but uh, a, a great moment for Indian Americans, uh, Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy arguing with each other. And everybody else is trying to get his name right, trying to get Vivek right, except for the only other Indian American <laughs> on stage who is using the most cartoonish Southern accent. Vivek? Um, Viv Vivek, I'm just telling you that you don't have the chops. Like, it was like chef's kiss because there was only one person on stage who could have got away with it and it was her and she absolutely did first of all Mr. Ramaswamy you have 30 seconds Mr. Descent you know, Nikki, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon you know, I'm not on but the, the, the fact of the matter and 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 you know, Boeing you came off of it but you've been pushing this lie stage, you've been pushing this lie want, all week Nikki you want Nikki. to go and defund Israel this, you want to okay, give let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up I'm going to address each of those right now this is the false lies of a professional politician. Safe. There you have it. You're so you the reality make America is, less safe. You have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? Okay, so so with some of that, with 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 uh, Vivek. Uh, Vivek. Viv okay, thank you. Viv Vivek. There we go. This is this is the process. We're getting you back yeah, up to speed. Right. Okay. With, with this fellow. Yeah. Uh, I look at that and I'm like, well, truly good job getting national profile. And if Trump wins, maybe you'll get a candidate position. But with like some of the other ones, like uh, the, the only two that I, I certainly look, an ambassadorship. He'll get whatever be, ambassadorship he wants. Yeah. Um, uh, with with the bigger names that I think actually have some would otherwise have some clout like uh, Nikki Haley mm -hmm. and, and like Ron DeSantis. Is what's going through their mind right now? Both of the people running for president are eighty or so. Could drop dead any moment. If they drop dead, all of a sudden, I, like, are they basically just like, who knows? Maybe Trump goes to prison. Maybe he dies. Maybe he turns out to be Andy Kaufman pulling an elaborate prank. Like, is are they basically just hanging out in case Trump for some bizarre reason drops out? Because that's not a horrible strategy. Everybody runs for office until the people that are paying them to run for office say, "I'm not paying you anymore." You will okay. run for office until the checks stop clearing. Yeah. And at that point, you will say, after long consideration with my tiny, adorable daughter, uh, uh, I, I, she cried and said, Daddy, can you please come to my recital? And I said, honey, I will. And and then right. you quit. Yeah. Uh uh, or you, you figure out what the endorsement I, I, is. I always forget this. Politicians like running for office. It's, oh, it's, God, they it's, love it's it. not like they, they sit down and go, God, can I win? Well, I'm not going to do it unless I can win. No, they love like it, it has to be the most enthralling thing in the world to go to a, a rally and have somebody like hand you their baby and say, I named my baby after you. You were the savior of America. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, and that was the thing with Trump in 2016 that really got lost is that a lot of celebrity candidates don't like working. A lot of celebrity candidates are television actors or movie actors or singers. That's a class of people. So talented like, like, though they might like be. Fred Thompson or yeah, like theoretically exactly. if Kelsey George Grammer. Clooney or George or Clooney. Kelsey yeah. Grammer, right? Mm -hmm. They work when they are getting paid a lot of money and want to work in general. When you're that famous that you want to do it. Donald Trump was such a media whore for so long that he actually had the rare profile of somebody that liked to get up very early in the morning and do things on the level that a politician does. You know, from being in New Hampshire, 
when you're building out your day uh, to cover like New Hampshire and then the last 48 hours, 72 hours, you're doing stuff from like five o'clock in the morning. Rick Santorum has a pancake breakfast and they're all trying to fit in five different things that are all increasingly like spreading later and later in the day. Uh, I think we had to make a decision on whether or not we were going to do the Pete Buttigieg rally or go to risk not getting in to the Bernie Sanders rally. That was also a killer's concert, but that's how packed these things are. And Trump was one of the only people that had that motor. That That's the thing that really keeps celebrities out of politics is that po- say what you will about politicians. And I say most of them, they have extraordinarily high motors to get out and be present and look presentable and, for as much as they can be charismatic. Okay. Uh, here's another question. Okay. Um, this happened right as I got back. Kevin McCarthy began uh, an exploratory, I, can, I don't know the, the terminology here, began looking into impeaching President Biden. Sure. Um, normally that would seem like a really big deal. It doesn't seem like it's getting a lot of press coverage from what I can tell. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale, and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Now, I would encourage the President and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. So, is that because we're just now going to impeach every president moving forward forever? Yes. If the house is in the other uh, uh, party's possession, let's go back a little bit on that. You ever see Breaking Bad? Mm -hmm. So the premise of Breaking Bad is this guy is starts dealing of cooking a little bit of drugs and then realizes he's in over his head and these very mean drug dealers are going to rob him or kill him or something like that. And then he realizes, oh, I I have to toughen up and I got to make a deal with another larger drug dealer so I can kill this drug dealer that's that's menacing me. But then realizes, oh, no, I'm in over my head with with the larger drug dealer. So I got to figure out how I can hire somebody else or get him arrested. And every episode is about getting him into a corner and then to get out of the corner, he has to make a deal that only sets up the next gigantic corner that he has to get out of. That's Kevin McCarthy since January, (laughs) January. He was not able to have the votes because there was an element of the freedom caucus that did not want to support him. That were like, absolutely not. I will never vote for Kevin McCarthy. He had a four vote margin. He eventually makes enough deals with enough people that he's speaker. And every single time he has found himself in another corner. So he makes more deals And then he finds himself in another corner. And now a lot of it is sort of coming to a head because there's a possible government shutdown in nine days. I think as we record this seven days from when you guys are going to hear it, there is an impeachment inquiry, which was done as a make good to some of the members of the house to say, hey, support me on this spending thing. That hasn't worked for about 10 of them who are now saying we are going to motion to vacate Kevin McCarthy. The problem is who wants that job and who can actually get the votes to do it? Because the Democrats right now are sitting on the sidelines, but it is rumored that the Democrats are like, well, we don't want anybody 
crazier than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has seemed to be a fairly competent speaker of the House, at least in terms of his understanding that he has to make deals to get things done. He might go across the aisle to get this spending bill done because his party has been so wild. So we are going to see we are in a very chaotic moment. This is like the season finale of of, of Kevin McCarthy's speakership. Who knows how he's going to do it? Okay, great, great. As as for the impeachment thing, probably the biggest thing that you missed was the IRS whistleblowers, which we covered on We're Not Wrong. Uh, So I know you know a little bit about, but that turned out to be fairly significant, if not very significant. That blew up the, well, A, according to some reporting, the, uh, uh, the feds were not going to charge Hunter Biden until the whistleblowers came out. Whistleblowers come out. So like, okay, we have to charge you with something. Let's make a very favorable plea deal. They make the very favorable plea deal that falls apart because Hunter Biden's lawyers were very aggressive about what they wanted. That falls apart in front of the judge. Now, Hunter Biden, uh, I believe yesterday, Tuesday of this week, he he pled not guilty to the gun charges that he has been charged with, which is odd because he admitted to doing it in his book. So in the court case, I guess they're going to try and figure out a way, a technicality to knock it off. But that charge is because he lied on a form to buy a gun saying that he was not currently on drugs. And we know he lied because in his book that just came out last year, that is a very interesting legal strategy. Like I'm guessing the legal strategy is, I had a ghostwriter. I didn't write any of it. Uh, he took a lot of uh, liberties. You know, he didn't realize it'd be like, like I'm guessing that's what they're like going to do. I was just done. I've never with read smoking it. crack yeah. uh, uh, right before I bought the gun. I had swore that I was out. So uh, we'll see with that. The larger issue is that now the prosecutor who the whistleblower said was not in charge of charging things is now a special prosecutor and he does have the ability and he is allegedly going to bring charges against Hunter Biden in Washington, D.C. and California, which allegedly he was not, according to the whistleblowers, he said he was not in control of initially. So now that is going to be brought, although the one thing that is definitely out, the statute of limitations has expired on the Burisma tax stuff, which would potentially be the juiciest because if you were able to put that into discovery and subpoena that then that could also prove some of the backbone of this impeachment there was, there inquiry. Was, i do recall that it was one of the things that the irs whistleblowers were saying was that they'd intentionally slow walked it in order to get it out of that window of indictment they were very careful in what they said intentional was intentionally not said they said that they were very confused why that was not a part of things and that Hunter Biden's lawyers had agreed to uh, uh, waive some of the statute of limitations stuff uh, so they could do it. And then they still didn't do it. And so the whistleblowers never said this was intentionally slow walked. They just kind of were like, well, I don't know. I don't know why somebody would want for these specific charges to run out of statute of limitations. And the the implication is that. That was the case. All right. There 
This update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you get two bonus episodes of this show each and every week for a simple pittance. A pittance. Three bucks. Three bucks a week. A cup of coffee. A literal cup of coffee. Especially with these inflated prices. But for that, two bonus episodes. That means four episodes. Four episodes of PX3 every week. I mean, come on. Guys, and this is the time you want to do it because there's actual news here, including this. During a recent House Judiciary Committee hearing, U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland staunchly defended his and the Justice Department's handling of the ongoing Hunter Biden investigation. This amidst a series of critical questions, primarily by House Republicans, emphasizing the DOJ's commitment to impartiality. Garland refuted allegations of interference and confirmed that he granted special counsel status to U.S. Attorney David Weiss, empowering him to bring charges in the Hunter Biden case, both within and outside of his Delaware jurisdictions. Now, this has happened. However, the timing and intention of which would be contrary to claims made by IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley. Despite the confrontational atmosphere, some Republicans, including Republican Ken Buck, praised Garland's professionalism for handling the case. The exact date for Weiss's anticipated testimony before the committee has yet to be confirmed. This was set up before those whistleblowers testified, by the way, and before Weiss became special counsel. This, of course, submits a broader political backdrop where the White House has accused Republicans of utilizing the hearing as a distraction tactic amongst looming governmental challenges. Now, in tomorrow's, or sorry, yesterday's episode, the PX3 Late Edition, we are going to talk more about the rapidly evolving situation in Congress and whether or not Kevin McCarthy is going to reach across the aisle. One of the balls that are spinning is impeachment. And we did see a little bit of the tip of the hand from the Republicans in speaking with Garland. And that is specifically about the phrase obstruction of justice. Looks like that is going to be the key to what Republicans want to shine a light on. What they want to prove is that there was untoward influence from the White House to... DOJ and that affected Hunter Biden's trial. That's what they want to do. And they began their case here. Speaking of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., it does look all but certain that he will face Donald Trump barring anything crazy like that's ever happened in politics. But a funny thing happened on the way to the forum over the last week and a half. Donald Trump, for the first time since he's been indicted on charges, has retaken the real clear politics lead in polls that have come out. And that's because of a particularly strong week of polling for Trump over the last seven days. You had a strong CBS poll that had him up one. And then you had another poll, a CNN poll this week, where Biden was last up four. Now they are tied. I don't know how to read this particularly, except to say that Bidenomics has bombed, bombed. At the end of the day, I don't care how many people you have go out to the Washington Post and explain to these dumbs that the economy is great. 
inflation is cancer to presidencies. It just simply is. And whether or not we are at high employment numbers, which we are, the reality is that people's dollar spreads less now than it did several years ago. And the narrative has been that there was too much money injected into the economy. And you could have continued to keep that high road and say Donald Trump did it, but Joe Biden spent a lot of money into the economy. And that also undercuts what Joe Biden desperately wants to do, which is highlight his legislative record. There's nothing that Joe Biden would love more than to talk about all the great things he has done via Congress. I'm getting to the end of the forward book, The Last Politician. I've got some very pointed thoughts, not only on some uh, interesting omissions, but even in what I think is a fairly sympathetic portrait to Joe Biden and the Senate Democrats, the biggest wins in the book are bipartisan legislation with the IRA being the hood ornament, the Inflation Reduction Act being the hood ornament, and the Ukraine war. We'll see where America is positioned on the Ukraine war a year from now. But for the Inflation Reduction Act, it's a lot of money spent. And if there's inflation and the narrative is, if people are open to the narrative that this inflation happened because of federal spending, then Joe Biden just simply isn't going to be able to tout that in the way that he would have otherwise. Whether or not you agree with the argument, it just limits his ability to go out there and say, aren't you glad the IRA got passed? And to be totally honest, even then, I know it was a big win for environmentalists, but the other tune for environmentalists is to constantly talk about how the environment's in terrible shape. I don't know. I'm going into my full thoughts on Biden. But when you look at this, this polling, and you you can't help but wonder, wait a minute. So Donald Trump's been indicted four times, and it's one thing that his poll numbers keep going up in Republican primary polls. But in general election polls, he's not just running, you know, three, four points behind. He's running even if not ahead of Biden, you know, it's just something to look at. Speaking of inflation, the Federal Reserve has decided to maintain its current interest rates ranging between 5.25 and 5.5, signaling the nearing end of its 18-month campaign to curb inflation, a move that stirred the financial markets and spurred recession concerns amongst economists. In recent projections, majority of the top Fed officials foresee more than one rate hike before the year concludes. So, you know, a little parting gift, a mint on the pillow. Fed Chair Jerome Powell emphasized the necessity for continual improvement in inflation metrics, adopting a cautious approach toward interest rate alterations based on evolving data and economic outlook. Despite the slower pace in job gains lately, the labor market appears resilient with a projected 3.8% unemployment rate, a decrease from the earlier 4.1% prediction in June. Federal Reserve exhibits a strategy to sustain slightly elevated interest rates through most of the upcoming year to regulate economic activity and steer inflation ever downwards 
anticipating a 3.3% inflation rate this year, followed by 2.5% the next year. Two is where they want it. Now remember, the fact that the number is lower doesn't mean that the inflation that happened before goes away. All these prices are as high as they were last summer. They're higher, right? But they're just slightly more higher than they were and not insanely higher. But also, those are the prices that are going to be there kind of forever, especially for the kinds of goods that we've seen. And now you're seeing energy prices go up a little bit. I don't know, man. These kitchen table issues. That's... Now, there's a big thing in, in Washington, the Washington Post today, where there's a lot of administration people and economists that are singing the same song that, well, it's actually great. What you need to do is look at it. It's fantastic. Is it? I think people, I don't know. I don't know. That's the update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go. Again, the big update on the latest as of Thursday when it comes to the congressional chaos that is on our $3 club episode get on the team baby takepoliticsseriously.com and now back to Andrew Heaton and me talking Okay, a couple of non-political questions that are still newsy questions. Sure, yeah. Uh, when I left, I had just done an episode on the writer's strike going on in Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, and SAG was threatening to join them. I assume that that's all resolved now, and they worked out some kind of settlement. <laughs> it's been several months. Absolutely not. No. Uh, not only did SAG join them, but we are now in a very interesting position with that. Deal or no deal? Tonight, social media igniting with rumors of a potential agreement to end the Writers Guild strike now in its fifth month. Studio heads and guild negotiators agreeing to meet again tomorrow and sparking hopes of a final deal that could be near. The scuttlebutt is that there is a drop dead date in the middle of October. Essentially, uh, the Hollywood commitment to taking off two and a half months for the holidays stands strong even amidst a potentially catastrophic uh, financial disaster that is these two strikes. But they're uh, essentially things would have to get going like you were selecting pilots and casting and testing for there to be a fall season next year. So it would have to start in October for that to be the case, for things to be ready to go in the summer and certainly in the fall. If it doesn't get done, then that means everyone's just going to leave and they'll pick this up in February. What has changed is... Wait, wait, hold on. I want to make sure I understand this here. Yeah. Um, School's about to leave. And if we don't get this done before summer break happens or whatever... Winter break, yeah. Winter break, then it just gets pushed back to February. Yeah. Which in Hollywood... Famously, uh, wait a minute. In the whole, thanks. Excuse me, I can't remember. I swear. No, it's fine. no, this one goes to another editor, so it's his problem. I'll stand vigilant against Heaton's f bombs. In the whole thing with Hollywood, that yeah. it's always pleasant weather, so you can film all year round. Why the hell are they getting winter break anyway? 
because it's not a particularly advantageous part of the calendar traditionally to cast things. So this is all the decision makers that leave. A lot of the workaday people Got it. Are, okay. are, are still going normally. Writers they're still, they're rooms still tend to write yeah. in February and things. Okay. Yeah. Like, like that needs when things need to get done, then things need to get done. That That is what it is. It's mostly the people that if you're pitching a show, then they leave at a certain point in October. But really this is about the schedules of the next year's slate. If that doesn't get started in October, you might as well start renegotiating in February. And it's also a very big bargaining chip and motivational chip for everybody that, all right, well, if you're the studios, maybe you should make a deal so you can afford Christmas presents for your children. Otherwise, you can explain to them that solidarity is their Christmas present. Uh, and for the writers, they're saying, Hey, you're going to run out of content like right now they're moving uh, Yellowstone, which was on cable. Now that's airing on CBS Monday Night Football, which was negotiated for a high price uh, by Disney to be put on ESPN specifically just got moved to ABC so they can have content that'll take out a bunch of hours. Uh, a lot of stuff is coming from streaming services to network television just to fill time. I, I think survivor or big brother are going to like five days a week that you'll be able to see some of this stuff at a certain point. That's going to get old. And especially if the ratings aren't great, then the writers are like, boy, it would be great if you had a new procedural about a plucky young detective who may or may not be in love with the serial killer. She's chasing. <laughs> uh, fascinating. I'm not Okay. So the uh, the money bags have the money, but they're also going up against a uh, uh, they're going to run out of content. And also, I, I saw a wonderful tweet that was um, uh, I, I'm I, I'm confused by how uh, the greatest storytellers in the world with 150,000 of the hottest people in the world are are winning the narrative against eight billionaires. <laughs> and yeah, like, like yeah, shocking that yeah, they're more yeah. charismatic and have more time on their hands. Here's the other problem is that, and this is what I've said about the strike from the very very beginning. And look. I know a lot more professional writers and professional actors, SAG members and WGA members than I know studio executives. So I'm with the WGA and SAG if just because I want to keep my friendships with these people and we're speaking in a public forum. Solidarity forever, brothers. Fight the good fight. Here's the problem. On the other side of this negotiating table is a very disjointed group. If you go back to 2007 and what that writer strike was about, it was about defining a pile of money that people kind of knew. And you're guessing that it would go up or down. It was, uh, uh, you know, webisodes. How much should webisodes be counted against WGA stuff or DVD sales? That was a gigantic moneymaker. So you want to negotiate for a higher residual for the writers on this gigantic pile of money that everybody already knows. The problem now is nobody knows where the industry is going. All these studios chased Netflix only to realize that Netflix hit a ceiling that was lower than they were expecting. They've been spending a lot of money and not recouping it, just burning cash so they could uh, create a consumer base. And now a lot of these streaming services, which are not financially stable, are probably going to be sold to other streaming services. So you're looking at a group of executives 
that might not have their jobs six months after they make this deal. And here's the other screwy thing. No one really knows who's going to buy who. There's guesses. You're going to guess that Netflix is going to end up on top. You're going to guess that Apple and Disney are probably going to end up on top. But Disney could sell to Apple. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers could sell to somebody or decide to eat up the, the Paramounts or, or something like that. Nobody knows. It, it, it could be any number of different directions. So for the writers and the actors, they're saying we deserve X, Y or Z. And all these executives are like, I don't know if I'm going to be the head of a studio. So maybe. And also some of these guys have very traditional structures like Warner Brothers. Some of them are Netflix and they don't really care. They're playing their entire other game. And one of the biggest things that's at play here, maybe the biggest, is transparency in numbers. So Netflix and anybody else who runs a streaming service, they never give their numbers out. There's no there's third party ratings that can take a guess as to what things are. But Netflix is not making deals like studios make deals to say, hey, if it grosses X, you get Y. If it goes three seasons, you get you, you get a thing. Netflix does make those deals, but they also control everything. They control how much uh, uh, things are algorithmically pushed to the right audience. They decide when they've given up on you. It's unilateral from their position and what the writers and the actors on some level are fighting for are, hey, let us know. Like, did Orange uh, is the New Black? Was that watched more than Game of Thrones? We have no idea. Allegedly, Reed Hastings said that at a party and then acted surprised. But we don't know. Uh, all right. Another media question. Yeah. When I had left, uh, Tucker Carlson had just departed from Fox and had launched a, a Twitter now X show. I'm just yes. going to call it Twitter. That's fine. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, he had, he had launched an X show. Is he uh, floundering? Has he created a new independent media empire? What do we what do we reckon he's been doing? Well, he certainly created a slimmer media empire. He still appears to be shooting this show at his house, which is where he was shooting his Fox Nation show before. I think he might have also been shooting his actual Fox show from his house as well, because there was a, a little kerfuffle about Fox getting their equipment back from his house or whatever. Yeah. So whether or not he's making money really depends on how small that operation is. If it's if it's just a lot of reporting has said that it's just him and his producer. If that's the case, then he's probably doing pretty well because he's he's getting uh, money from Twitter now X directly through their. They, they've now monetized it kind of the way YouTube used to do it. Yes. Which I don't exactly know how because they're not selling ads per se against it. And it does look like Tucker Carlson's thing is a loss leader. But what has not happened is Tucker Carlson settling his issue with Fox. And no, I don't that's, think that's going to happen at this point. Yeah. Well, he's going to need to at some point because Fox believes that he is operating outside of his contract. All right. Good point. Yeah. I forgot about that. So. At some point, that has to resolve before another major media entity would say, come on to our airwaves. Let's pay you a gigantic amount of money. Otherwise, he can continue to do uh, what he's doing now. He has not launched a podcast. He has thus far just kept all of his stuff on Twitter, 
you would imagine the moment that he, you know, the, the first time that he launches a podcast and you hear in that Tucker Carlson voice uh, uh, telling you the virtue of HelloFresh and how you can make a meal in your very own home, including uh, banana rice tapioca salmon or whatever. That's when you would understand he's going to be making the the you know Joe Rogan type of or Megan Kelly would be another probably a good comp level of cash right now. You know, it's kind of undetermined because we don't the, the 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 money from Elon is kind of opaque, but obviously they are tied at the hip. Uh, uh, Tucker Carlson has not said a crossword about Elon. He launched as Tucker on Twitter. He then rebranded Tucker on X uh, there, which sounds like an off brand hangover. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to call it X. I'm just not going to do like you don't get to have a whole letter of the alphabet. I'm not I'm not doing that. It's Twitter. I'm sorry. If you want to call it like call it 10. E, 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 yeah. It, call it like Elon oh, that's stream thing. or there something. Was, I'll even call it that. That's fine. There was a whole thing about men thinking about the Roman Empire. That was the thing that happened this week. Wait, What? How often, that sounds like a thing I could have been involved in. How what, often? What did, what did the men call how me? How often to, uh, per week do you think about the Roman Empire? Maybe once a week. I don't know. But pro- probably that apparently is pro- low. Probably once a month. Maybe I'd say once a month. Yeah, you think I'd, about I'd the say Roman once Empire. a month. Something about Claudius or uh, uh, Constantine <laughs> comes up. Yeah, that was a thing that apparently. Uh, I don't know where this came from. I think that there there's certainly a subsection of pseudo intellectual uh, uh, male influencers that talk a lot about the Roman empire. Apparently I am not in this section of the internet, uh, but it is very coded right wing. And so uh, th- there was, I don't know. It was a stupid thing. I don't actually even know the details on it, but that I, if you're only thinking about it once a month, then I feel like that poll was BS because if, if there's anybody that I know that would think about the Roman empire more than once a month, it's you. Yeah, I like I'm for I'm, purely intellectual reasons. I'm just I'm just curious as to what the hell the like is it like it's always the Roman Empire's always been used as this sort of like um well, you know what imploded the Roman Empire, whatever my enemies are doing right now. Yes. So like 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 for a while it was like you know the problem was when the Roman Empire started letting in all the immigrants. Like yeah. that was like and then like even like like Nixon we, we, you, on on my show you and I did uh, the drunk Nixon tapes at one point yeah uh, and uh, Nixon's talking to Kissinger about the gays and he starts out very like he's like well, I you know I want to make sure we're hold on I'm doing a that, that's a that's a McConnell one apologies no no that was he's, Nixony I I I've, I've, I want no I have I've great sympathy for the gays but I think everyone uh, Henry back me up on this that uh, uh you know when, when they when they become preeminent it brings down empires that's what yeah. happened with the Roman Empire so like that was a thing for a while and so yeah. is, is that what they're doing I have no idea okay no, I no, think no. it's yeah it, it's probably at least partially along those lines. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. Um, good. I feel like I can weigh in on that one. Uh, yeah. If, if, like, if, it, if it comes <laughs> in, I'll be like, what the f- are you talking about? No, Dormition is the one. Like, I could, I could get into some of that the stuff. The thing that I think the most about the Roman Empire when we were in Rome is like, damn, they were really good at building roads. They were really good at building roads. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think somebody, I saw somewhere that there was a thing where they figured out that it was like a living bacteria that they would mix into their cement. And wow. that's the reason why that it, it kind of repairs itself. Whoa. That's mind blowing. Yeah. You, you, you know, Matt Ridley. I'm aware of Matt. Matt, Matt uh, I, I got to see him when I was in Scotland this mm-hmm. summer because he lives just just south. He lives like an hour and a half south. Uh, and like, man, he hates Roman Empire. It's it's like, it's oh, it, really? Yeah. It, like, like he's British. So there's that weird like 
like um, this is an actual continuity that I resent them for as opposed to like entirely academic. But he's like, no, they were just a predacious group of ravaging like they didn't build anything. They like anyway. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll 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 try to dive into the Internet and like like find out what this argue. Roman Empire thing is. Yeah, that like usually I'm against wasting my time arguing with strangers on the Internet. But this could be fun for a couple sure. of days. Yeah, yeah, this could be good development. All right. Any final Final thing, any 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 uh, uh, tidbit, just you to know, just okay, to bring I, you up to I do, speed. I do got one tiny one. Yeah. Uh, now, now, granted, this is a couple of years ago now. Okay. Uh, but when Glenn Youngkin became governor of Virginia, yeah, that, that seemed to be kind of a maybe the Republicans have found a new model where the non-Trumpy guys can sort of saddle up with the Trumpy guys. I haven't heard anything about that guy in a couple of years. So what's going on there? Glenn Youngkin is actually going to be at the center of the biggest election day story of this year, which is kind of small potatoes because there's not usually a lot of stuff on the off off year election. But he has a chance to flip both the Virginia House and Senate Republicans, something that has not happened in a very, very long time. He is still looked at as a very competent Republican, and many are uh, mentioning whether or not he would do a late run for president. I think that that is exceedingly unlikely because right the state of the race right now in the Republican primary, you would just be more grist for the mill of uh, the, the, the Trump turbine, which is just shredding everybody. But. Uh, he is going to have a moment in the sun. It seems like the the polls are favorable and and he would be a, a bright uh, spot in the in the Republican uh, uh, quiver if that were to happen. But he's out there. He's campaigning. He's wearing his sweater vest. And uh, yeah, he is. He's, he's Glenn Youngkinning. The, he, he falls into that weird category of Virginia politician that when you're X amount powerful, you run for governor. But they're. Laws say you right. can't be governor two terms in a row. Right. And so you kind of just either try to run for president or run for senator. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I believe both of the Republican or both the senators from Virginia are former governors. OK, because that's yeah. just what you do once you're a national. Once once you've won statewide, you're like, well, what am I going to do with all this statewide popularity? I don't know. <laughs> Run for Senate and I can just chill out for six years. It's a quick commute. I won't even have to move. <laughs> uh, all right. I feel like I'm up to snuff. Thank you. There we go. Up to snuffies. Oh, there is one thing. If I were to tell you the phrase, I'm going to tell you a phrase and I want you to tell me how many of these words, you know. Military tomboy horse girl VTuber. Well, I know military. Okay. Uh, what was the next one? Tomboy. Tomboy, I know. Okay. Two out of four. Horse girl. Horse girl. I think I do know that. Okay. Uh, that's a, a, a gal who is obsessed with horses. Um, uh, yes. Close. Okay. Close. Or rides horses. I'm going to give you partial credit. Like, 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 Incomplete. Okay. Uh, horse girl. And what was it? VTuber? VTuber. I've heard that one, but I don't know what it is. A VTuber is a live streamer or YouTube personality that does not have a physical form. They are using motion tracking and face tracking technology to essentially live animate a cartoon. Okay. So VTubers can take any number of shapes, monsters, squids, anime creatures. This specific horse girl we are talking more along the lines of 
Imagine Laura Croft, but she has horse ears uh-huh. and her ponytail is is kind of a main. So we're like edging into kind of furry territory, not okay. quite full on uh, 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 suit uh, uh, furry, but but more in the slightly the blending of a human and a and a horse, but in a very adorable way. All right. She has abs, but she's running for president. Uh, uh, I forget her name now, but we covered her on last week's show and the the far and away biggest comment on it was heaton needs to be aware well, um i'm you know what i'm i'm th- this is i'm, I'm, I'm here, here, here's here's what we're gonna do because we actually have to record we're not wrong now but i'm going to show you the clip and then either i'll still be here and you can record or you can just record into your phone your live reaction of watching the clip of her running for president, okay, her announcement well, that she's running for president. Follow up questions. Yeah. Is she running as an independent or is she running for a particular party? Unclear. OK. And what are her positions on tariffs? Uh, we we don't know. I, I, I would love for the Andrew Heaton sit down interview to mm-hmm. get to the bottom of these. Uh, but she is. Uh, uh, a mayor who cares. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Nice. There we go. Um, I will look into perhaps my preferred presidential candidate. I don't know yet. (laughs) Andrew Heaton, the political orphanage. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. I had such high hopes for that animated horse girl to solve democracy, but then I watched her campaign video and it was just a lot of puns. Now you need a lot more animated hentai nudity to get me to watch that many puns. I don't like puns. Puns should be understated headlines and that's it. I'm not supporting the pun candidate. I don't care if she's a fun species or semi-animated. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on board with the pun thing. So hope she drops out. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by the one and only Brett Stewart. PX3Guest.com is where you want to go if you want to thank the old boy, Andrew Heaton. You want to send me an email, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Find me live on Twitch, px3live.com. And find this podcast for your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. Support me with a one-time donation over the internet, paypal.me slash Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. You can always get your bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. Again, the big update on Congress as of Thursday, that's on the $3 tier episode. Go get on the train now. Guys, this is the time to do it. Not that before it wasn't, now it's definitely a good time. But the Titanic $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in this. The Titanic $10 tier. Ye old pinball shop. John, TP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and Vogue Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers. Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, 
Neil, his nerdiness Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Steven, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, Bassam, D. Laser, McWood, Just Another Pilot, Middle-Aged Mike, Utah Jimmy Montana, The Gen, D. Really, Chopper, and Andrew. You want your name read on this show? Well, guys, only one place to do it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I said the name a lot. Hopefully, you remember it. Hope everybody has a good week. I'm going to reload. Come right back for you next week. We got you, babe. I'll be finding you guys in Vegas for Sunday's episode. You know what that means? Ruined voice. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see if I can not have an absolute shattered voice. But no, uh, no, no promises. Till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.